Stay on top of all meaningful top trending stories right here on SAFM. Leading the conversation. Well, we talk all the time about climate change. We talk all the time about trying to change things. We talk all the time about trying to reverse climate change and different ways of doing things. Um, And I had always been under the impression that things that sort of lead to climate change, most of it will be, you know, coal-fired power stations, petrol-driven cars, uh, trucks, flying, things like that. Turns out it may not be entirely the case. Dr. Jakob Fulskink is a senior lecturer in strategy and sustainability at the Stellenbosch Business School. Dr. Fulskink, good morning. Morning, Stephen. One of the numbers that I see here is that households are responsible for 72% of global greenhouse greenhouse gas emissions. Really? 72%? Yes, Stephen, that would be accurate. Uh, Keep in mind that, you know, all the food we eat, all the traveling we do, all the meetings, all of those are ultimately households that, that, that cause that. Um, so it's it's indirect. It's not you know from my household, but it is coming from the people living in households. So ultimately, it's us responsible for the majority of of greenhouse gases. Okay. So then, um, if for example we take meat and cattle and milk, how important are those factors? Because we have a lot of cows, a lot of animals which we mm-hmm. raise. Uh, I mean, billions of yes. them, so that we can eat and drink their yes. products. How big an impact is that on global warming? It's it's got a massive impact. In, in fact, the majority of of household generated uh, greenhouse gases can be attributed to to animals and milk and um, amongst the 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 meat, different meats that we could eat, uh, cattle is by far the the worst of them. Um, that's for a number of reasons, but also the fact that we are producing soy in other parts of the world so that we can feed cattle, so that we can eat the cattle instead of just you know eating the soy. Would it be right to say if we all turned vegetarian tomorrow, it would be the end of global warming? That would be hard to say. It, it, <laughs> um, I think it would make a big chunk. We need to cut carbon emissions by by half or almost half, 43%, in fact. Um, if you keep in mind that, let's take South Africa. South Africa's got a very, very unequal society. So it means that the, the top 5% probably, we need, to, we need to cut our emissions by 80%. But I would say if the way that we eat as, let's call it as ourselves, wealthy households, the way we eat, the way we travel, the way we go on holidays, if we start changing those, we can for sure make a significant impact. What would be better ways to travel? And I mean, there was a time in my life I really enjoyed it where I used to cycle to work. I can't do that mm-hmm. now. An electric car mm-hmm. is incredibly expensive. So I use mm-hmm. a petrol-driven car. Is there really a better way? Well, well, for one, public transport. But, you know, if, if we look at cities and South Africa, unfortunately, our cities are very sprawled out. So the, the European cities are better examples of where it's easy to, to travel by bicycle. In South Africa, it's less feasible. I'm in Cape Town. So in, in the center of Cape Town, it's, it's fairly easy to travel by bicycle. It's not always safe. So if we can change people's behavior by making bicycle lanes safe and extensive. And in Cape Town, again, from from the West Coast, there's a single bicycle lane that runs all the way into the city. And a lot of people actually use that lane. So cycling, but if you you would like to take an overseas tour um, and quite often it's it's the wealthier that do these things, it's to combine those and rather take longer overseas trips or don't go city hopping between different countries but rather just go to one place that wouldn't make a significant change but but if we want to talk about marginal changes that would be it but 
the, I think the point is really that if we would like people to change, the, the narrative doesn't have to be, oh, you need to save climate change. The narrative is that behaviors are easy for people to make once we put certain incentives in place, once we structure things in a certain way. You know, in South Africa, we're very familiar that one of our global leading life insurance companies or, or medical insurance companies is using behavioral theory to send us to gym rather than pay for us to go to hospital. So we can do the same thing with with cycling. We can change the way that people eat food. If you fly in airlines in South Africa already today, the question is no longer chicken or beef. There's usually a vegetarian dish on the menu as well. So we, we can make these changes and almost invisible to, to the general society that can make big difference in the way that we emit carbon emissions. I mean, Dr. Volsking, one of the most powerful slogans in the last sort of 70 years is probably still think global but act local. It's exactly that, isn't Absolutely. it? Yes, absolutely. Yep. Doctor so, yep. you know, oh. sorry. All right, we'll leave it there. Dr. Jakob Volskink, thank you. Senior Lecturer in Strategy and Sustainability at the University of Stellenbosch Business School. Thank you.